This week I'm talking to Melbourne co-captain Nathan Jones. Jonesy is a real lead-by-example type of leader, and you can tell how desperate he is for team success at Melbourne. I'm not sure there is another leader in the competition who has had to battle as hard for his club as Jonesy, and he has such a positive take on his journey and hopefully what's ahead of him. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm wrapped to be speaking to Melbourne captain Nathan Jones today here at AFLPA headquarters. Jonesy, welcome and thank you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's been a terrific year for the Melbourne Footy Club so far. This is your 13th year and you've just ticked over 250 games. You started to dream about playing in your first final series since your first year back in 2007. <laughs> oh, it's hard not to, you know, um, get a little bit nostalgic about all those um, potential opportunities that may arise. Um, but at the same time, you know, as you'd know, having experienced a lot of players, it's very sort of regimented and week after week after yeah. week is the focus. So, you know, I think, you know, on my own, I tend to reflect on it a bit. Um, you know, lucky enough to play in a couple early days, but it's been quite bleak since. But, um, you know, I'm really excited about where the club's at now. It's, uh, you know, it's been a long journey, particularly um, you know, over my career, but you know, I've been excited about the work that I've put in, along with you know, a handful of other people, um, you know, behind the scenes over the last sort of four or five years to get us into a position that we're in now. Yeah, very good. I'm going to I'm going to talk about your journey in a minute. I I just want you to reflect on your career to date, and it's been a wonderful career. Three best and fairest awards at Melbourne, five years now as captain. You're one of the game's most respected players. What are, what are you most proud of so far? Um, it's, it's hard to sort of put a finger on it really um, you know it's not something that I sort of reflect on too often because I'm sort of still so entrenched in um, you know what I'm doing right now and you know what my goals are for the sort of immediate future in particular but um, you know, I think I probably got a great chance to reflect on it when I played my 250th only a couple of weeks ago and you know, I think it's more just I'm proud of the fact that I stuck it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as I said before, you know, to see the footy club sort of back on the rise and, and um, you know, seen in a more positive light than, you know, from the darkest times that I'd sort of seen it in. Um, that's something that I'm really proud of and, and hopefully, you know, it leads to, you know, what inspired me in the first place to mm. commit to that and, um, you know, hopefully that's some sustained success and a strong culture and ultimately, you know, what we're all sort of chasing in that, in the ultimate reward. Has it been hard to stick it out? Um, oh, it, I'd be lying to say that it, it hadn't been at, at certain times in particular, you know, when we're winning sort of two games a year, I think it was two years in a row at yeah. one point and, you know, some of the, some fearful beatings, um, you know, I remember sort of 150-odd point loss at the G and 180 something point loss down in Geelong like I've been a part of you know all those times we boot off the ground and yeah. you know <clears throat> there's so much negativity surrounding uh, the footy club that you play for you know people saying you know you're irrelevant and um, no one really sort of cares for where you're at you know those times were, were difficult there's no doubt um, but I think for me you know it, personal pride probably took over and um you know ultimately i just wanted to play in a good team win games of footy and have fun but um you know i sort of which is something that you know was instilled in me from a very young age with you know my, my old man and yeah. um 
and my brothers in particular was about you know not taking the easy road and mm. um you know whatever's sort of whatever hand you dealt you know you work your way through that and um you know eventually if you if you work hard enough you'll be able to sort of navigate your way through it which is sort of the approach i took really and you know that was maybe detrimental in in part to some of my development over that period of time but mm. i think now sort of coming out the other side of it you know there's so many lessons i've learned um that you know i may not have ever been able to experience in terms of you know sort of finding out more about my myself and um and my own sort of strengths and weaknesses and these kind of things had I been at a more successful club in a a different period you know it's sort of it's good to think of all the positives that come out of that but now I sort of reflect on you know the opportunities that came out of you know what I've sort of been dealt with and and now the chance that's sort of lies ahead yeah often you hear people say that you learn more out of failure than you do out of success and you probably haven't had a lot of success to this point but how does that resonate with you yeah it's um it's funny, actually. I was listening to a um, Tom Brady podcast actually before he came here, and he okay. was speaking about that. And I was, and I'm, like, I take a bit of inspiration out of him because you know he's a bit older and he's been able to have success later in his career. Obviously, um, successful quite early as well. But and he said that, and I sort of think sometimes I feel sorry for myself because I'm yeah. like, oh, that's bullshit. Like, <laughs> you know, I've been going through this for sort of twelve years now, and you know we haven't played finals since my first year in 2006. So. But in the end, you know, I think, you know, it's tested my resilience. There's no doubt about it. But if, the more and more you think about that and the more you try and take the positive out of it, you know, I think we get caught up a lot in the result and, um, you know, winning is everything and that's how a lot of people view it. But if you break it down even further than that, there generally is a lot of lessons to be learned, a lot of positives to be taken out of it and that's win, lose or draw. And yeah. that's sort of how... I've been able to sustain um you know my commitment and dedication to the the footy club and my own path and career with with the demons and you know i think now hopefully that sort of pays dividends and as i said before you know it's exposed me to so many Mm. i guess different situations and opportunities for me to grow in different in different ways and maybe i um i never may have experienced Mm. does it make you hungrier you know, when you started, you know, you last you guys have been on the build now for a few years and, you know, don't want to put a moz on where it's going, but it's certainly heading in the right direction. Does it make you hungry at having gone through those hard times? Oh, there's no doubt about that. I think, um, you know, I'm probably one that does reflect a bit on that, where we've sort of come from. And, you know, the list turnover, for instance, there's so many guys, there's sort of maybe two left, Nev Jetta and... Maxi Gorn that may have experienced sort of the tail end of you know yeah. what I experienced. So you know it's it's good to give a little bit of perspective to those guys, but at the same time you know the the freshness of the group that we've got now that haven't experienced that and don't have that burden, mm-hmm. I think that's that actually inspires me. So um, you know I think that's what makes me hungry now. You know there's the, there's a there's a group of players there, you know which has been the commitment from. You know, the outset probably four or five years ago was drafting the right sort of, you know, player players with the right characteristics, both physically on the field and and mentally. And now that we've got a group assembled that's like that, and we commit to you know a strong sort of plan, along with our coaching group that's so invested in developing and educating and um, you know building better people, not only footballers but people, um, is something that I'm proud of. And 
you know, that's what motivates me every day to come to the club because, you know, I can see now that's the way forward and that's, you know, what I've sort of missed out on, but that's also what I've been a part of, you know, creating and building. And yeah. um, I think that's the exciting thing and, and that's the thing that, um, you know, drives me to try and eke out as much as I can over the next sort of however many years um, to make sure I can experience that. Yeah. Mate, the purpose of this podcast is to talk to you about leadership. What is leadership in your opinion? Um, As yeah. uh, Tamara walks in with yours, is it Armand Mill? Armand Mill Cappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, first cap- captain I've seen to have one of these. So, thank you. Um, thank um, you. Yeah, I think ultimately for me it's, you know, leading by example is first and foremost um, – the number one thing, you know, being able to perform under pressure yep. um, week in, week out on a consistent basis to execute, you know, whatever the, <clears throat> you know, goals, standards, behaviours, habits that you want, you know, your team to exude, you do. Um, so you're a lead by example type of captain in your view? Oh, I think so, yeah. Like uh, there's other aspects to it and, um, you know, there's obviously – you know, sensing moments and inspiring and communicating. And then there's all the, the, there's a whole array of levels off field to, you know, assist when you've got sort of 44 guys that you've got to look out for and, you know, you have a very good understanding of what we're trying to do on field and yeah. performing on field under pressure in the heat of game day. But you've also got to understand, you know, where certain players are at, what they're working on. You know, what's your relationship like with them? How can you get the best out of them if they're going well, if they're not going yeah. well? Like, there's just, there's there's so much to it, um, which, you know, I've probably been exposed to that, I would I would say, more than most people yeah. just because of where, you know, the club's been. And, and, you know, particularly with the demographic of our list over the last probably five years as we've transitioned and tried to fast track some of those guys and that's required greater commitment from you know the more senior leader um players if you like at our footy club and um you know i think that's an enjoyable part of the role i think is is you know you got to thrive on the performance aspect of things on game day but i also really get a lot of joy out of you know putting time into players and building relationships with them and, and coaching them and teaching them and mm. watching them grow as well. Yeah. Um, that's a real motivating factor behind, you know, why I enjoy my role in Good. as a captain. So I'm going to touch on a few of those things as we go further here. I, I want to sort of take you back to when you became captain and we've touched on how turbulent, I guess, a playing career you've had. You've also probably had a pretty turbulent um, captaincy career <laughs> in that you became a solo captain, you become um, a co-captain. I'm interested to in know how that sort of played out for you, you know, most recently with, with, with Jack Viney. I think you started out as a co-captain with... Um, with Jack Grimes. With Jack Grimes as well. So uh, you're the first captain I've interviewed who's... who's been a co-captain so I'm really interested in how that actually works and which of the two models you prefer but also I guess the journey of being co-captain solo and then co-captain again yeah I think um like I don't have a preference over either you know as you said I've been able to experience sort of both sides of it and to be honest not much changes um essentially you know you've just got two figureheads that um and in both cases with Jack Grimes and with Jack Viney you know we've got the same interests at heart 
yep. you know, the footy club first and foremost and then to try and get the best out of the playing group and, you know, you've got that relationship there already, you're willing to work together and get the best out of each other. But, you know, in early days, I was actually made vice-captain when Trengove-Grimes combination came in and, yep. you know, I think for me that probably, um, you know, I guess took a little bit of the pressure off. Like I, I was obviously honoured to get, you know, announced as a vice-captain, but I was also able underneath, I guess, them taking the brunt of the leadership role, yep. develop my own skills and, um, you know, continue to work on my own game. And, um, and you know, in the end, obviously with Trenner's um, injury sort of got the best of him and he decided to sort of stand down from that yep. responsibility, which then opened a window for me and, um, and and Ruzi upgraded me in that period to to a co-captain alongside Jack, and you know it was all about just trying to support him as best I could, and and obviously you know during that period when I was vice captain of, I probably had to break down some bad habits that I'd sort of, I guess got into over that period of time when the club really struggled. I became sort of quite closed off and. Um, you know, I was worried about the best way I could get through those periods where we weren't winning and I yep. wasn't enjoying my footy was just to be, be able to put in performances that I'd be proud of, work yep. as hard as I can away from the footy club or at the footy club just to be the best player that I could. And, um, you know, it sort of made me very, um, not, not selfish because I wanted to win for the team and those kind of things, but... Um, you know, I guess I, I was more focused on my own performance rather than trying to give more to the team. Yep. In that regard, um, and has the, lead, the formal leadership <coughs> positions changed that for you? Yeah, for sure. Yes. I think well, that just it exposed me to it, and I had to be better in that regard. So, rather than me, for instance, you know, boxing on my own to do extra training or running on my own to do extra work, and you know, staying back or getting in early or these kind of things where I you know, if I get more in, I'm doing more than the other, yeah. the next bloke. It was now like, how much can I pull someone else along with me? Is there a way that I can you know, educate the next guy coming through? Like, could he get better if I just show him how to do this? And, mm. um, you know, that took some time to sort of break down because what happened is with such a turbulent period at the footy club, you know, a lot of the time for me in particular, you know, I'm um, quite loyal, but during that period... You know, my trust was broken a lot of times. Yep. Um, you know, been, having been through sort of six coaches and yeah. you know sold a different story almost every time. Mm. Um, and you know, you invest and buy into it, not and then to not get any reward from it, it became quite disheartening. So, as I said before, you know, the best way for me to survive that was to just lock in and and yep. try and be proud of my own performance, so I could go happy, or go home happy after a game, or reasonably happy. Um, but yeah, I think from that period where I got announced to co-captain, that probably really opened my eyes to, you know, rather than being a, you know, lead, follow me, lead by example kind of captain, I needed to, you know, develop in different areas, you know, show more vulnerability, yep. create better relationships, open up and, and you know, I guess, uh, you know, drive my teammates and friends to to be better okay. um, and, and expose them to, you know, what made me a consistent player, <clears throat> help yeah. them try and become a consistent player. You, know, you can't be 
you can't play in a winning team unless you know you've got the team around you and and um and that's sort of what I learned it wasn't about the individual it was about you know building the best team and culture and and trying to you know I guess expose them to some of my experiences along the way that would hopefully fast track their growth which in time yeah. leads to you know a, a stronger culture stronger team and better performances and winning and, yeah, and that's seems, ultimately what you want working. yeah <laughs> can i um i i want to pick up a bit of that in a minute um oh, i'm interested just in a practical sense when you've got two captains uh, who tosses the coin who, <laughs> who gives the um the pre-match speeches and how do you split all that stuff up oh it's been real easy with jack and i like jack and i quite we're super both super passionate about the footy club um you know we don't play too dissimilarly and um you know he's i guess um you know having sat down with simon and hearing his reasons around wanting to i guess using the co-captaincy position as a way to fast track the development of our leadership and making sure you know as i get older there's a there's sort of another another one coming up underneath me obviously with jack and then hopefully that you know drags along more opportunities for other leaders within our team because that you know, the early stages, you know, four or five years yep. ago, we probably lacked in that area. <clears throat> and Jack and I, no, that that transition was almost seamless. Like, besides, you know, flip the coin um, was a discussion. Like, I think we actually flipped the coin to see who would flip the <laughs> coin. But you know, once that happened, and he got his go, and I got my go, and you know, we worked our way through that. You know, that's been. You know, he's he flips the coin one week, and I'll do the first address. And yep. if he's tossed the coin, he'll do the halftime address. So, and that just alternates week after week, depending on if we're both playing or not. And you know, besides that, you know, we just touch base around a whole heap of things. I think you know, the last year or two has been great because we've um, had a fair few guys sort of step up. Um, you know, underneath us, and you know, we've got a terrific leadership group. But you know, we're always trying to evolve and expand that, and expose guys to those different opportunities in that sort of leadership space. And um, you know, we're seeing you know the fast tracking of a of a handful of players, which you know that makes our job a whole lot easier when you've got you know more voices and more weight of numbers pushing you know the the standards and behaviours that you want. Yeah. Um, was it when, when that decision was made for you to go from being the captain to Jack coming in as your co-captain? Was that difficult for you? Yeah, I think you know early days. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I said that uh, I was probably taken aback by it, but you know, in the end, having sat down with Simon and hearing his reasons for it, and you know, I was over the moon for Jack, obviously, um, and excited about that opportunity. Um, and once that sort of, I sort of was able to digest that. And again, you know, as we sort of spoke about earlier, you know, from those things where it may seem early days as a as a negative, you know, I quickly turned that into a positive because, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was heaps of things that Jack could bring, and you know, we could I could see us both working together yep. really strongly and and being able to. You know, I think in the end, you look at it in two sort of better than one. We're both on the same page. We both, you know, really um, love the footy club passionately and we, you know, we, we're driving it as best we both can mm. to succeed. Yeah. So why not work as tight as ever um, to get that job done? And I think, you know, Goody's reasoning behind, you know, why he values the co-captaincy positioning uh, position was... Um, 
it was a really valid one and you know once i sort of digested that as well i thought it's uh, only um, creates a greater opportunity for us to grow the leadership within our team and um you know as i said you know vines is being sort of i'm 30 now and he's you know 23 22 23 i think um from memory you know that sort of bridges that gap with the Mm. i guess the players that we've got across our list um and i if anything, for having seen it now for um, you know, the last two years or three years, it's, um, you know, for me, I think all it's done is enhance the leadership of our group yep. for one and I think made both Jack and I better being able to bounce off each other and learn from each other as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of how it's sort of panned out. Okay. We're going to talk about leadership groups a bit later on uh, and I think there's a couple of things out of that that I'll pick up again. Uh, I am interested, you, you touched on Jack Grimes and Jack Trengove co-captains of the club from 2012 at the ages of 20 and 22 respectively knowing what you know now as an AFL captain do you think it's possible to succeed as a leader at such a young age as those guys well they set up I don't want to put words in your mouth but um, there's been a lot made of when you look back at the Melbourne Football Club from that time and it seems as though those guys uh, have copped a bit of the brunt of it mm. <clears throat> yeah it's um it doesn't sit well with me obviously because they were both good friends of mine it didn't pan out how we all would have hoped for it yeah to um both quality oh great both great blokes and it's unfortunate but the microscope's always on and when you don't perform and you don't succeed everything is picked out yeah um and you know gone over with a fine tooth comb but in the end you know you'd probably have to look at it and say honestly that maybe it wasn't the right call and i think for me like as i said to before underneath them um, I got, I was able to develop my leadership without the pressure kind of thing. Yeah. Whether or not I was ready at the time, I probably wasn't either. Mm. But you know, having known what I know now, you know, it's it's very different at that time. You know, we had we still had some senior players. We had a, quite a new group coming through, and I think just the timing of it. You know, I think it's it's possible, but from my point of view, I think you know. Gaining experiences across your, your career is very, very important to be able to, you know, this, I guess impart knowledge across mm. the group. Obviously, gain respect, yeah, and and um, and trust of the players. And and not, I'm not saying that they didn't have the trust and um, respect of the playing group. They did 150 percent. But you know, I guess when they're also trying to develop their own game personally and and find their feet on field as well, I think that adds a whole new dimension to it. And you know, with where the club was at and the pressure we were already facing, I think, um, unfortunately, it didn't work out how we mm-hmm. wanted it to. And look, hindsight's a wonderful thing, it as is, they yeah. say. But just listening to it, it sounds to me as though this combination this time around of having you at 30, of having Jack at 22, 23, um, we are almost helping with that succession planning and you've got your experience, you can actually help him develop versus two guys so young and actually starting out and almost developing on the job yeah exactly it just seems such a better model this time around than what you had in the past yeah for sure and I think that's why I said before you know once we sat down with Goody and he explained his reasoning behind it I, I was like that's it's a great idea like if that's how it can work out I, I'm all for it let's get into it kind of thing and I think it couldn't have worked any better from my perspective mm. I um I think it's allowed me to develop you know at the same time when that sort of happened i'd um 
you know, one young child, a couple of years old, about to have my second child. You know, it sort of takes a bit of pressure off. You know, we can balance some of the responsibilities, particularly off field, but then we can work together on the sole purpose of why we're really there, you know, yeah. for our on field and game day performance. And, you know, we've been able to do that seamlessly. And um, I think in that regard, that's when co captaincy can be quite powerful. And I think we've got something, you know, really positive out of the, you know, I guess structure that, that Goody is a big fan of. Yeah. And it seems, once again, my last observation I'd make is it seems as though if you know if the two captains can put their egos aside, which would often be a barrier, I would think, to this type of thing in any in any walk of life, then it can work very well because there is a lot of pressure on what you guys do and if you can divide that in half and you can both pick that up because you've still got to perform on the field. That's that's your primary job, isn't it? So For sure. It seems as though it's a very workable model if you've got those things in place. Oh, there's no doubt. And I think that sort of came off the back of some of the... I guess key characteristics of you know the side that Goody wants us to be, yep. and you know some of the um, pillars around you know team first and selflessness. You yep. know, uh, what better example than two of your leaders being able to you know exude that mm. as best they can and um, and perform as a, almost a little team within a team to yep. to get the best result, and that's I think that's. Without putting words in Jack's mouth, that's almost how I would think he would see it yeah. and definitely how I saw it, um, that if we can work together, why not? Because it's going to be better than just one of us copping it on our own. Let's just have a crack at it together and work together almost like a team within a team and yeah. and um, and try and carry the group forward and the club forward to you know where we're both aspiring for it to be. Yeah. No, that's great. Now, one of the things I've been doing before I talk to each of the captains is chatting to a few of your teammates, and oh, I've got some great feedback about you. Um, really positive. I've got a couple <laughs> of things I might share a bit later on as well. But, I mean, the, the type of stuff your guys are saying about you, lead by example, you're demanding. I, I get this sense that you are the guy that is first there, last to leave, pushes yourself harder than anybody else, but you're also a caring, devoted um, type of guy who's never missed an off-season session even when you probably should rest um you keep pushing the physios and the doctors to let you train more a bit's changed since then but yeah <laughs> has always wanted to be the best sets an example for the younger guys like some bloody good things that your guys are saying about you does that stuff resonate oh it's um obviously i'm a, a bit chuffed by it um i don't know who it's come from obviously but uh yeah, I think if uh, if your teammates can reflect on you in that way, it's uh, it's something to be proud of, and you know that's. I, I don't think I would have been seen like that maybe f- six years ago, but yep. there's been a lot of you know me breaking down some of the barriers that I have had personally, um, building back trust, and then sort of just having the courage to you know show vulnerability. Um, because I genu- genuinely care yeah. um, and and I want the team and I want our club to be great and I want our players and my mates to experience success. I don't want, you know, one thing that always motivated me was to never have someone have to go through the period that I've been through at the club. Like yeah. I, I would, I, if I could, even if you didn't have any success, <clears throat> um, well, I, even if I didn't have any success, to be able to leave and hopefully leave the club in a better position for a sustained period that was always my goal like mm. selfishly look I want to win I'd love to win multiple premierships and play in final series until I 
can't play anymore kind of thing. But if that didn't happen, as long as I leave and the club's in a better position, I think that's something that I'll look back on and be proud of because, um, you know, being able to influence change, particularly from where we were, you know, absolute rock bottom. Like As I said before, you know, the, I still remember headlines and people, critics saying, you know, we're irrelevant and do we even belong in the competition? Like, who cares about them kind of thing yeah. to now getting us back to being, you know, respected, playing a brand of footy that our fans and supporters love and playing with a bunch of blokes that, you know, I love, you know, I love playing the game again. I haven't been happy. I've said this heaps over the last sort of month or two. I've never been happier playing footy. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, that's why you play the game, essentially. Like the, the essence of playing when you're a kid is about having fun with your mates and winning. Like mm. that's what you play the game for. And, you know, I've still got that now yeah. after all that I've been through, but that's just because I wanted to give myself to hopefully creating, you know, that. And if that's the influence that I've had on the group, that's what I want to continue yeah, to do. Good. And you're obviously driven. I mean, I, and I hope you don't mind me um, sharing this, but I remember at the, one of the last club visits we had with you guys and we were talking about social media and um, I remember vividly you talking about how, you know, after a loss, sometimes you would check social media for the criticism it, yeah. was like it almost drove you mm. the criticism that you'd caught which is which is res- resonated with me and in some respects this is an industry thing we're dealing with in the industry but um it just seems to me is that you are so driven to succeed because of the past yeah oh, there's no doubt um because when i committed it was like um i'm either out or i'm all in yeah and if i'm all in that's it like i'm here until till i'm done yeah um and yeah, so when I made that commitment, that's that's what it was like. I I weighed up a lot of stuff when I probably signed my last long term deal, which I'm involved in at the moment, and I, that was sort of four years ago now. Yeah. What sort of it was a year into Rusey being at the club, and you know, I remember sitting down with him, Peter Jackson, Josh Marnie, having dinner, and Ben just being like, "Well, where are we going, and what's it look like, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and how can I, what role do I have in it?" Yeah to now and I was like alright if that's where we're going like I have to shed some of the distrust from the past yep and um, if I'm in I'm in kind of thing and sounds like you're glad you oh yeah I, I am so glad I, I did because that's I feel like that would be so much more gratifying and rewarding as I said before even if I wasn't to win the ultimate I think one thing that sat didn't sit comfortably with me was you know if I left and the club got good, I'd yeah. I'd forever regret it. Yeah. <clears throat> and if I left and and was able to have success somewhere else, would it really mean that much to me? Kind of thing. Mm. Like I'm sure it would, but like if you if you're a part of something from the absolute ground zero to the top, you know Particularly that as the captain. I mean, that, that that would drive me. That drives yeah. me more than anything else. So I think that was a motivating factor, and it was about fulfilment. And, yeah. You know, as I said. Loyalty has always been a strong trait from a very young age and, you know, the opportunity the club gave me, I thought, you know, why not? I want to invest in the club being in a better position when I leave and, and, and the position I was in at that time, being a captain of the footy club. Yep. That was the sacrifice I wanted to make because, you know, I, I'd feel like um, I'd feel way more fulfilled 
um, if I was able to achieve that sort of goal at that time. And, you know, we're, we're well on the way to doing that. Yeah. Um, and we're not there yet. There's still a lot of work to be done and a long road ahead. But as I said before, you know, when you're playing in a team that we have this season and even last season, I still had great joy in playing footy, but particularly this year and watching the growth of the guys around you and the club as it sort of shapes itself and the commitment from so many people within the footy club to build what we're building, it's, um, it is very gratifying. So, so when I went through those areas that are you know, real strengths that, that your teammates have identified about you, I'm interested in, in I guess, um, you know, how have you changed? You sort of said, oh, I don't think you would have said that about me six years ago. And what are the biggest lessons you've learned about leadership since you've started 13 years ago? Uh, I think I've always been big on, um, you know, growing up I was uh, involved in a handful of like state league teams where I was either captain, vice captain or in a leadership position kind of thing. So I think that came naturally to me as far as sort of leading by example with, you know, performance and training and standards and stuff. But the the number one thing I learned was, you know, about – probably there's probably three things sort of delegation relationships and communication um and for me that came back to trust and sort of showing vulnerability i probably underestimated maybe the influence that i've been able to have on people like i probably don't see myself in in the same light that you explained before but i think that's just because i'm always searching for ways to be a better version of me kind of thing and um but yeah, I think particularly those three areas, you know, about you know, one, building relationships, gaining a better understanding of the person. Um, you know, I, I was sort of very black and white. Yeah. Um, it was like either my way or the highway kind of thing. And, you know, sort of broken that down over time. And, and you have to really, because, you know, I've been through, you know, sort of every generation of kids that come through are very different yeah. to how I am. And that was, I was maybe very different to the, the norm in that period of time and, um, you know, hear of how footy was back then in the old days, talking yep. to the old guys, you know, 80s, 90s kind of thing. And whereas now it's all about, you know, understanding the personality, um, you know, having strong relationships, being able to communicate effectively to sort of the type of person you're dealing with, you know, what's the motivating factors that, you know, makes them tick and, and knowing and educating yourself on all that stuff and being able to, I guess, diversify your skills in that area I think has been probably my greatest learning being able to you know talk to people that are similar to me and yep. talk to me people that are very opposite of what I am you know maybe footy isn't everything to them maybe they don't train as hard you know maybe they aren't as committed but being able to sort of motivate them and inspire them to still produce their best because that's what we need for the team but in a very different way to maybe what motivates me and I think that's I guess showing vulnerability and sharing my story and experiences is mm-hmm. part of that, but also getting to know teammates on a deeper level and, and um, I guess, skilling yourself up in, you know, ways of communicating and, and developing yeah. you know, other people and finding out what makes them tick is um, has been one skill that's, um, I guess, that's forever evolving. Yeah. You, you touch on... Um you know, how you have developed over time. Are you, have you got any mentors or people you go to when you want some advice around leadership? Oh, there's sort of a handful of people that I touch base with. Obviously, our, 
Goody's been, you know, really good for me in terms of, um, I guess, sort of pushing me down different paths and trying to sort of, I guess, um, tap into different areas that I may not have thought of. But, you know, there's a handful of people that have helped me along the way, like Jade Rawlings has been a terrific mentor in particularly the leadership space and about evolving some of those areas I spoke of before around, you know, communication and vulnerability and understanding my influence and how I can continue to sort of impart that on on my teammates and stuff. Um, You know, I've got some great footy mentors, um, Paul Hopgood, ex-Melbourne player. I've worked closely with him and um, he's sort of known me from a very young age and knows me really well. Um, Jared Healy. Yeah, um, go surfing with, go him, surfing with yeah. him a bit, and uh, you know we talk a bit of shop on the way down and out in the water, and you know I've probably sort of spoken more to him about my game in general, but you know over the last couple of years we've spoken a bit about leadership and yep. and standards and these kind of things, which um, he's got a really good eye and understanding for footy, so yeah, I've got a fair few people that have um, I still keep in regular touch with Ruzi as well, so yeah, you know, I think it's more just tapping into different people and their experiences it's probably not one person for everything kind of thing but you know if there ever is a concern i've generally got you know a good uh group of people around me that you know i can bounce ideas off and um and as well as those sort of being external to the footy club there's so many as i said goodies one but there's a handful of people inside the footy club now um which i think has been sort of a key pillar in the development of our our coaching group and the education of our players around having, you know, respected coaches and people with experience. There's so many, um, you know, experienced members of our, of our club now within that sort of footy department that can sort of impart their knowledge on, you know, Mm. experiences they've had. And, you know, for me, that only further enhances my trust in, you know, where we're heading and, um, and, you know, believing them because they've experienced it. So you, to me, you've got, you know, a, a good amount of self-awareness and I want to sort of flip this we've talked about your strengths but are there some things that you're continually working on as a leader like I'd, I'd imagine you'd um, you'd identify that reasonably quickly what are the sort of things that you're working on from year to year this is what your fifth year is captain yeah I think um, the the thing you said before about being demanding I think at times that can come across as sort of confrontational and um you know, aggressive and and it's still just finding that balance. I think that's always going to be a challenge because I think, um, you know, my personality may clash with someone different. It's, I think it's sort of having the understanding of the situation, whether it worked or didn't work, but then having the compassion to sort of follow up and, and the empathy of how maybe they felt yeah. in that situation and then still being able to deal with that. Has that changed? Is that the bit that's changed a bit? Yeah, you know, I, I, I reckon that's been the probably the biggest shift. Like, um, you know, initially it was like, <clears throat> you know, yeah, I understand that people are different, but you know, it's we're playing a game now. Like, this is this has to get done, kind of thing, and be like quite sort of forthright, yeah, and um, and probably not letting your emotions sort of get involved. But I think um, for me, the area probably would be just you know on field uh, I think now as the group sort of starts to evolve um, and 
I sort of shift my positions and stuff, whether it's that's play a bit more outside on a wing or half back, still spending time in the middle, but being able to, um, you know, direct and communicate. You know, you see a lot. Uh, a really interesting exercise is actually having yourself mic'd up, and a lot of times I've gone yeah. back and watched the raw edit, and it's um, how much you instruct and direct and these kind of things. I think that for me, that's um, for an on-field probably development. Um, or you know evolution that I'm sort of aiming towards. You know, I sort of see someone like a Luke Hodge as the yardstick in that area, and that that would be something that I'd I would continually look yep. to be improving. Yeah, good. So it's a good segue into um, something I want to talk about around communication. So you know, I guess every footy club's got roughly 45 players. Um, you know, you've talked about getting to know these young kids coming through and you've been through a few generations of players. I shouldn't say generations. It makes you sound old, doesn't it? But you've been through lots of groups of young players coming in, as you said before, they change. How do you get to know 45 players in, in a playing group to a point where you can you know, get the best out of them? I think the most important thing is just having a sense of, you know, it's being able to sort of take a step back and sense whether guys are sort of, you know, if, if there's something going on, kind of thing, and then yep. having the, you know, I guess the skill to be able to approach them and and talk to them in a way where they trust you and open up. But to do that is also investing in relationships, whether that's you know dinner, asking them more personal questions rather than just skimming over the whole daily. How you going, mate? How was your weekend? Kind yep. of thing. But you know, what'd you get up to? Oh, I went and saw family. Oh, where are they? You know, where are you from? How many brothers and sisters you got? You know, just finding out more about the person, I think, mm. is just so vitally important because that unearths a whole new realm of, you know, why they are who they are kind of thing and, you know, why they may act a certain way in whatever sort of circumstance it may be. I think for me that's... um the most vital thing in being able to communicate with with diverse sort of groups of people is investing the time and genuinely investing the time so not sort of brushing over it but you know whether it's we grab a coffee and just have a chat about how you're going or if you're struggling with your form like sort of going deeper than like well why can't you get a kick on the weekend yeah. kind of thing you know what like what's going on you know are you just struggling for form but like sort of maybe there's something else going on is it you know have you got some personal stuff going on and I think just over time you develop that and I think that's what we've really invested in as a group now that, that's been led by Goody um, you know he's a real relationships based coach and I think that's sort of rubbed off on our entire group and I haven't been a part of a footy team which sort of leaves you a little bit empty because it's like I've, so many times a lot of my s- such good friends have left. Yeah. And, you know, footy is about friendships and relationships and your mates. And, you know, there's not many that I keep in touch with because, one, we've lacked success and, two, they've just been turned over and yeah. out they go and I continue on my path and they go their kind of way. Whereas now, like, there is just genuine investment from the top down, like... um and the bottom up as well, and it's it's funny, you know, I, I th- and I love it when people say it, but they they come into our group and feel like everyone embraces them, whether it's me and Jack as captains or whether it's a couple of guys down the bottom that are rookies, but we're all mates, yeah. and I think that's what's so important. And when you create that, that then opens all doors to communication, 
trust, accountability, um, which then opens you up into being able to, you know, drive high standards and, you know, drive the behaviours and habits that you want from within a team. And was that a um, was that a deliberate sort of uh, strategy that you guys as the leaders had to actually do that? And if so, how long did it take you to get to where you feel as though you are now? Yeah, I think what happens is it's about guys feeling, you know, they can trust, obviously trust the group of players that they're talking to, that they feel comfortable to be able to open up. But that's it's been a work in progress for you know, a handful of years. You know, I've spoken to heaps of guys that were either experienced, you know, the Geelong premierships or Goody with Adelaide or, um, you know, people at Sydney and these kind of things. And uh, obviously Ruse is one example as well. You know, there's sort of three teams that have had great success um, over different periods of time and all of them speak about, you know, how tight-knit the group was, how um, there was such great mateship but there was also great accountability. Yep. You know, there's all these you know, conversations behind closed doors where guys will open up and speak honestly, whether it's in a negative or positive way, but it's all about for the team and for improvement to get the best out of each other. And I think building those relationships and building that culture, I think that's what drives um, the success of good teams. And when you have that trust within a group, I think um, that's when you're starting to get on the right path. And that's been, in our case, a work in progress over sort of four or five years. But one, developing the skills that players can communicate on that level, but two, developing the relationships developing the environment where guys feel safe comfortable and trusting of the people around them that you know one they're trying to get the best out of them two they're going to hold you accountable but they're doing it because they care about you and and three you know um three because you know they want success they want to win Mm. And you're a vital part of that yeah um and that's the only reason why we're doing it kind of thing and Sorry, how hard is that? Because that's, um, you know, it's. I can just tell from listening to you that you've made huge progress around that, and there's a, that's a big part of the connection that's the Melbourne Footy Club now. You get to the end of a play at the end of the season, and you have to let, you know, three or four players. You have to let them go. There's no choice there. How difficult is that then when you've invested so much in, into this connection? And does that actually upset the fabric of the of the team and the club at all, or is it just an acceptance that? That's just football and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think what you said, that's in a lot of cases, that's just footy and that's what's going to happen kind of thing. But what you find as the year goes on, and one of the most difficult things is to have all 44 blokes on one page and at some point in time, some players are going to find themselves out of form, whether or not they're 100% in. Yeah. And as the year goes on, Sometimes guys are stiff. I've been a part of, you know, delistings of some of my, excuse me, some of my closest mates, and maybe they were a bit stiff, but that's just part and parcel. And then I've been on the opposite end of that, where it's well, mate, this is the way the group's going, mm. and we're you're not a hundred percent in, and you haven't. We've been holding you accountable, yeah, all year, and at some point there's going to be a breaking point, and. So, and that's what happens towards the end of the year. But in the end, you know, whether it's whether you're on the positive or negative side of that, that's just how footy is. And yeah, um, it's a a lot of people say it's a brutal sport, and 
in that regard, there's no doubt it is, but that, yeah. that's that's the industry we're in. The Just around communication, one of the things that footy does probably better than, does in my mind better than business is review. You review constantly, you review training sessions, yeah. I'm sure at times it drives you mad, but you're reviewing obviously game after game. Um, I'd imagine after a tough loss, you got beaten by Port Adelaide last weekend, you dominated the game, probably should have won. What does a review look like at the Melbourne Footy Club? Yeah, this this space within footy has evolved like so much since yeah. I first started. You know, I still remember sitting in. Yeah, you know, we were we were over at Junction Oval. Probably this is when we were really battling worst facilities <laughs> in the competition. The roof's falling in. There's possums everywhere. We'd sit in a huddled in a little meeting room for hours on end, like three, four hours on a Monday, just reviewing clip after clip after clip there'd be guys in the back corner half asleep <laughs> whereas now like Goody's so progressive in this space um you know he's really sort of at the cutting edge i reckon of sort of educating players you know we'd have we're broken down into groups meetings would go no longer than 20 minutes you'd yep. see sort of no more than three or four clips um you know it's really sort of specific stuff that's actually quite simple you know, you can relate it to training. Um, you know, for instance, last week, you know, we lose to Port Adelaide. There was a lot of good that came out mm. of it. We, um, and for all the um, people that were critical of us not performing on the big stage, you know, we couldn't have, from an effort point of view, and particularly around our stoppages, contested ball, couldn't have been better. Couldn't yep. have asked for any yep. more. But there was a few tactical things that broke down, whether that was, you know, our, ins- our composure inside forward 50, you know, our ability to be able to defend on certain plays, these kind of things, and that's what it came back to, you know. Um, they sort of break the game down into a certain specific and we review, you know, a handful of clips in that area and then that relates to training that we do on Tuesday, yep. relates to training we do on Thursday. You know, we get a preview of St Kilda. This has been the focus all week and we move on. Yep. Um, and a lot of the time it's just reinforcement or it's room for improvement kind of thing and the language around that's vitally important but as i said you know goody's been so progressive in this space and it's not just you're not hearing from the coach all the time whether it's you know us as leaders get involved whether it's interactive whether it's in group situations whether you know it's it's watching it on our own and coming back and summarizing it to another group of players um i think keeping guys engaged um and you know keeping it in small bite-sized pieces is now allowing players to sort of retain information and and learn even faster and i think that's one another thing that i just really love is you know trying to fast track our group goody's looking for every little one percenter to get us better and he really saw educating our players in the right way as a real chance to you know fast track their development and hold them Mm. accountable and then you know i guess from that it sort of all filters down into you know the programs they have within the gym, yep. within the, with on on the training track individually clips they review with their line coaches. So it's um, yeah, it's 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 actually a really I really enjoy seeing that evolve and mm. and you know play my part in it. Is there still a place in footy for the old fashioned spray? Or is, <laughs> is that gone? Oh no, I think there is. Um, but it's funny because, as you said before, you know, there's so much review that the self-awareness of players these days, majority of the list understands what's happening within the game. Yep. 
And um, I think what Goody's really good at is staying composed and giving us solutions. Um, and that's one thing he's always said, you know, I want to be a relationships coach that gives solutions to my players, win, lose, draw. Yep winning within the game, losing within the game kind of thing. So a lot of the time he's actually quite composed. But um, look, I, it doesn't stress someone like me out too much. But again, as I said before, you know, there's so many diverse um, personalities within a team that may affect some players. So I think it's finding a balance. You know, Goody raises his voice and you know, I guess he's more emotive sometimes. But as far as spraying us... Um, that sort of comes back to the language used and, you know, he never degrades players or speaks in a negative way. He'll raise his voice and say, it, you know, it's not good enough, yep. but this is how we're going to get out of it kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and right. this is the area move we've got to get better. So we're yeah. trying to yeah. we're trying to quickly move through the negative sort of, um, I guess, result and, and find a way to get so ourselves back on track. Last game last year, you guys, you know, win that game, you're in the finals, expected to win that game, you know, lose the game how, do, how does the post-match review there I guess there's, there's no next week so how does that play out well, again it's as I said before you know we saw it as another opportunity as devastating and disappointing as it was it just it emphasised the fact that every single contest counts yeah. and that was almost the mantra for pre-season like every single minute you know we miss out by the smallest margin on percentage yeah. in the history of the game. Like that is literally like kicking one more goal in one other game in the year, kind of thing. So yeah, it was. And then we, you know, you start to think back. Not only the Collingwood game, but there was probably a handful of games over yeah. the previous five weeks where I think there was one point the Brisbane game, for instance, we're up by forty odd points with nine minutes to go in the last quarter, and I think they kick four or five goals, and the margin ends up being you know, 10 points or something. We win that game by yeah. 40. We win the finals kind of thing. And we, even if we lose the Collingwood game, I think a lot of emphasis is on that final result. But what we looked back on with greater perspective was at every moment of every game, every week of every season counts mm-hmm. if, if you want to make finals kind of thing. And that was what we drove throughout pre-season. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect. We understand that. But... um I think we've definitely been better in that space this year. I think you couldn't question our effort almost in any game. I think there's there's probably periods where we've broken down in terms of the style of game we're trying to play, whether that's due to the opposition or just us not executing. But mm. I think that's the evolution of sort of where we're going and trying to develop as fast as we can. We've still got... That's why we always try and put perspective on it. You know, we're going well at the moment, but we've still got a lot to learn and... You know, I guess every opportunity we play, even last Friday night, you know, the the Queen's birthday game, yep. they all presented opportunities and exposed our group to different, you know, I guess stimulus and different situations that are only going to make us better, whether we win or we lose. Yeah. And you can see the way you're playing out games this year. There's that sort of ruthless intent. So that that all makes sense. Can I, can I touch on leadership groups? Can I ask about... Um, What's the role of the leadership group at the Melbourne Footy Club, and how important is it for you? Yeah, I think um, I think it's absolutely vital. Um, like Jack and I, for instance, can't have you know a, every single week an understanding of forty-four players and who's in form, who's struggling personally, who's got you know whatever issues going on, 
who needs help in this space and that space kind of thing. So what we tend to do from a performance point of view, sort of divvy up players, you know, we come together with a leadership group meeting, we had one today, you know, talk about players that we've got concerns over, whether that's their performance on game day, whether that's, you know, how they're acting around the club, whether that's how they're training, or even if we've just spoken to them, making sure that everyone's across that and, you know, what's the solution there? Who's going to speak to them? Are we going to, you know, check up on them? Yeah. Um, and then we sort of dive, we sort of go through the game and, you know, how we we sit down with Goody, obviously he's a part of that as well, and go through, you know, what we saw, what we felt, where we could have gone better, you know, um, how'd the review go yesterday, what could have gone better there, were we clear with the messages? Yeah. And then we sort of delve into the individual players, and um, you know, once we sort of move through that, might talk about whether it's some club particulars. Um, but yeah, from there, then we sort of move on. But I think the key thing, and it's a real strength of leadership, is delegation and having a leadership group where you know you've got some real reference points for guys to take responsibility of different areas um, and you know different instances. And along with you know, we've got we cut our leadership group back to four, but we added line leaders two line leaders yep. so essentially we cut our leadership group back to four but we've added another six so okay. now we've got like sort of 10 guys that at any given time can be reference points within the playing the playing group and um yeah. are they a mix of ages have you got yeah yeah so you know in our forwards group for instance we've got tommy mack and alex neil bullen okay um both like Tommy's been around a while. Alex is reasonably new, finding his feet, aspirations for leadership, um, doing a terrific job this year. Set great example over preseason, and it's exposing these guys without sort of smashing them with the responsibility. Mm. Um, but it's exposing them to you know some of the things they need to think about, some of the things they need to you know open their you know awareness up to. Yeah. Um, and you sort of sense what's going on, whether that's on game day. So in general, we reflect on you know the forward line performance, for instance, and we'll discuss with them what did they sense, what did they feel, who they got concerns over, you know, how is the forward line group training, you know, what areas they need to work on, just so it's like sort of exposing them and developing them in a, you know, I guess a less um, demanding kind of way, which I, I think's been a terrific addition to our group particularly this year and how that's evolved and um i think it sort of illustrates how important it is you know trying to be across everything with one or two people it just becomes all consuming yeah um you know you've got to allow you know jack and me and max and jordan to be who we are and allow us to perform and 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 then by adding these other guys as well it sort of um evens out the contribution and um, you know, it helps develop guys in different areas and also, um, I guess, strengthens the group, which is the main thing. You know, having a depth of leadership is vitally important to a successful team. Yeah, it sounds like you got a really strong development program going there with the leaders. So I, I did want to touch on um, disciplining of teammates. I mean, this is one of the things that I've spoken to all the captains about this and there are different views on whether this should sit with the leadership group. Um, I'm interested in that, but I'm also interested in what are you actually trying to achieve when you discipline a teammate? Is it behavioural change in the person or is it about keeping the fans and the media happy because 
the cynic in me says at times it does head towards the latter yeah. when it probably should be about the former. So I'm putting words in your mouth, but interested in your take on all of that. Yeah, well, from all my experiences, we've never taken into consideration the pressure from outside. And there's no doubt a lot of the time the discussion will be one, best interest of the player, but two, best interest of the team and how we are going to, you know, I guess bring about change so we get them on the right path that we're going on kind of thing. Um, and for me, that's that changes. That, yeah. um, I think there has to be a whole host of circumstances that need to be considered, you know, reasons why maybe they, you know, um, chose to do what they did why the indiscretion came about kind of thing, you know, what personal things they've got going on. I think there's an element of holding your playing group to high standards, but then there's also an element of being compassionate and empathetic for whatever situation they may be involved in kind yeah. of thing. Um, and it's, it's a difficult one because you sort of got to decipher, you know, do they genuinely have a problem like, and is there issues going on that are leading to this or are they just pulling the wool over our eyes and mm. sort of taking the piss, for instance? Um, and I think that's the most difficult one. But a lot of the time what you find is, and that, this is why it's so important about developing that trust within a group, I think particularly when you when you get that, a lot of the time guys don't want to let down their mates. And mm. when you've got a strong bond... Um, as we discussed before about you know that relationship side of things and and the love and friendship and mateship within a team gen- genuinely generally sorry um, you know you'll be able to work your way through that and and come to a, a conclusion yeah good answer how would you like to be remembered from a leadership perspective when it's all said and done um ah. Uh, Oh, definitely leading by example. Um, but I think sort of being resilient, inspiring, courageous, um, sort of tough, yep. these kind of things, I think they're the things that always sort of motivated me. Um, and, yeah, it's that's been – it's hard for me to sort of see myself in that light because, you know, you always look back on – well, the whole industry, for instance, is so reflects so much on results. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, that definitely plays a part in my psyche kind of thing. And but in the end, if I look at it holistically and remove the criticalness and negativity of my own mind, and maybe some stuff that you sort of hear out there, um, you know, I'm pretty proud of my career so far and. You know, I'm so motivated to play for as long as I can kind of thing. You know, um, some of those things you mentioned earlier about, you know, never missing a session yep. and, and uh, pushing the physios and docs probably this year more <laughs> than any. I've, uh, I've actually completely reversed that. Um, but, yeah, like that's been a great lesson for me over pre-season about, you know, listening to my body a bit more and mm-hmm. not just grinding myself into the dirt kind of thing, which I've sort of always done, but actually training more quality rather than quantity and I want to eke out as much I love playing footy and right now as I said at 30 years old it's the most joy 
and happiness I've had playing the game, I want to be a part of what I've spent, you know, pretty much my whole career trying to build. Um, and I'll be doing everything I can to give myself that opportunity. I can see and I can hear how hungry you are. Um, and as I look across the table at you, I can see scars on your forehead. Um, <laughs> not everyone exposes those, Jonesy. But, um, Good head for a podcast, yeah. I would say. <laughs> well, you and me both. Um, so, I mean, I can see how hungry you are. I've got a few questions I want to finish off with. Oh, and I've asked this to all the guys. I mean, AFL players are incredibly impressive people, in my view, uh, having worked with a number of, of athletes. And I, the captains are right at the top of that list. What do you think business leaders can learn from AFL captains? Uh, I think um, developing that communication accountability side of things. Yep. Um, I think one thing with our industry, particularly when you get that right, is you know you you get this um this wave of people that are all on one path committed to um you know committed to the journey or the goal and whether that might be you know an IT guy in a footy department or you know head coach or captain best player yeah you know everyone understands their role within that and how that impacts or influences success yeah and I feel real lucky to have been a part of the industry where that has developed that skill because mm. it's funny, you know, talking to people and only recently for me, uh, for a you know personal example, I uh, took on owner builder of building my own house yep. and so I got highly involved in the project management side of things and like I don't think players realise how good they've got it until you start experiencing what it's like trying to deal with people on the outside world in a completely different industry. Um, You know, communication-wise, reliability, um, you know, consistency, all these kind of things. Like, it's just, it was a whole new, it opened up a whole new perspective for me. And I think, you know, for me, that is vitally important to success Mm. and um, you know, you need your leaders to be strong at building relationships and communicating, delegating and understanding and inspiring, you know, what the goal is or what the, um, you know, key pillars of success look like for that industry. And um, we're very fortunate that we get exposed to that a lot, yep. particularly around the accountability side of things. But I think, you know, in recent years, that's come a long way in, in you know, being more empathetic for different personalities and different people and allowing individuals um, to be who they are, mm. um, you know, and embracing that, but also being able to inspire um, everyone for the the same reasons, the same cause, the same goal. Yep. Good answer. Right, I'm going to ask you just a few personal questions here, and I did talk to a few of your teammates. Um, I've been calling you Jonesy in the in the podcast, but most of your teammates call you Chunk. I'm very interested in where this came from. Uh, Adam Uze, Rob, uh, Russell Robinson were on the Gold Coast in my first or second year. It would have been my first year, actually, because my second year, Dan has challenged me to lose weight. So it was my first year, Gold Coast camp. I'd just been surfing early in the morning, and I'd come back with my surfboard and board shorts on, and I clicked the lift and those two boys were going back up. And uh, Robbo's nickname was Fat. <laughs> and they started laughing, losing it and saying, you know, 
uh, I think it was Ooze at the time. He's like, look fat. He looks like you're a twin. Let's call him Chunk. <laughs> and in I get. And then from that day on, that both those two were calling me Chunk, and that stuck. And um, I still remember like, and you know, Nita, Travis Johnston, James McDonald, just giving it to me. And um, <laughs> I ended up playing out that year, and we lost in a final to Frio over there. And I remember having my exit meeting that year, and Dana's. Neil Danaher said to me, mate, you need to come back five kilos lighter and win the 2K time trial, which I actually did. There you go. But, um, yeah, look, I had a little bit of excess pudge from uh, under-18 days, that's for sure. Nah, there's nothing wrong with that, mate. Hey, um, one of the stories that wasn't shared with me, but I was told to ask you, so this, I don't know the answer to this, but I was told to ask you about Bernie Vince wrestling you on Dom Tyson's <laughs> front lawn. <laughs> oh, gee. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, it probably doesn't reflect great on Bernie and I being senior players, but at Dom's 21st, um, we'd had a few beers and Bernie and I headed over for the night and we were easily by far the oldest couple of blokes there. And in the end, we were probably the drunkest and most immature (laughs) out of everyone. And uh, we both get into each other a bit when we've had a few beers. The banter really starts to fly. And in this night, we... uh, went to a whole new level and we started wrestling <laughs> on the front lawn and he seems to think he got the better of me which maybe he did but all I remember was we left in half a Dom Tyson's wardrobe because neither of us had any clothes <laughs> left so it was um no it was one of a, well, it was a good night yeah it sounds it I, for what it's worth I heard you got the point so. <laughs> um captain of the Melbourne footy club you're probably not the sort of typical look of a Melbourne it's the sort of toffee club and you've got tattoos all over your both arms that I've that I'm aware of um does that present any problems for you like is that the Melbourne faithful accepting (laughs) of of someone who's probably not the typical Melbourne looking guy uh I would like to think so um yeah look I've I've probably um you know personally I wouldn't get tattoos on my neck I do have some small ones on my hands but I wouldn't cover my hands I, I like the fact that I could wear a suit yeah or a shirt and people don't know yeah um but in saying that I think in this day and age as I said before about embracing people for who they are and I think you know as a society we've got much better at that um and accepting of you know tattoos used to be associated with sort of grunge and trouble yeah. and Whereas now, like... Most AFL footballers seem to have Oh, yeah. And not only (laughs) AFL, but like, you know, a lot of respected people in all walks of life, whether it be sport or business, um, you know, have gone down that path. And, you know, I I would... I'd think it's... um, Well, I'd I'd be shocked if, you know, people begin to judge a book by its cover, which it still does happen, but... Um, I guess in my case, it's. Uh, I guess if you got to know me, it yeah. probably doesn't have. Well, it has a bit to do with me because it shapes of, of you know how I look, but um, doesn't reflect in me being too much of a bogan. No, Unless no. you ask Maxie Gorn, he continues to say I'm from Frankston, but <laughs> that isn't a big deal. What's it like having your brother play in the competition for another team? He's probably had the better of you yeah, in win loss. Yeah, I've actually, actually I've only played him once. Have you? Okay. And they smacked us. So, yeah, he's, <laughs> so he's got... Right. You're right. I did no research on that. <clears throat> oh, I think... I am couldn't be prouder of him. Um, you know, I don't know. Not too many would know his backstory, but, you know, he didn't even look like it. Yeah. Early um, in his under-18 year, he sort of... I think he scraped onto the supplementary list of the under-18s 
um, and he'd been getting in heaps of trouble down at home. He sort of dropped out of school a bit earlier and, yeah, he was sort of hanging out with the wrong crowd. And, yeah. And then, yeah, some, some stuff sort of happened behind the scenes and I reckon it was a real wake-up call for him. Like, I don't know how many times my brother and I and my old man had sat him down and said, mate, you're going down the wrong road. Like, yeah. You need to pull your head in. <clears throat> and then, you know, this one instance happened and I think it sort of took him back a bit. And uh, and from that moment, it was almost sort of a you know, quarter of the way through that season, he just completely changed, dropped sort of that friendship group that were getting him in trouble and straightened himself out and like just 100% sunk, sunk all his efforts into just playing footy and mm-hmm. hanging out with his girlfriend at the time who they're still together. And um, and then yeah, sort of the rest is history. He went from not playing on the Stingrays list to playing every game, into playing for Vic Country, into being MVP for Vic Country wow. and All Australian, into being a first round draft pick at the end of that year. Yeah, and like he had have asked me that, I still remember sitting down with him in January saying, "Mate, you seriously need to pull your finger out. Like yeah. you, you, you know, you anything could happen to you if you keep going down this path, kind of thing." And yeah, credit to him. And now he's a different person. Like it's funny, you know. He's a little chunk junior, <laughs> isn't he? He's, he's, oh, he's done a great job. It's um, yeah, that's one of the one thing I'm real, real proud of yeah, is being awesome. able to sort of influence and watch him before my eyes change, like mm. within sort of a six month period. And um, and now yeah, he hasn't really looked back, and it's it's been awesome to see. Yeah, great. Thanks for sharing that. Um. One of the other things that your teammates told me is that you know, you've you've changed for the better since becoming father. Um, in, in that, you know, I think you they think you've become a better leader. I probably should say because of it. Does that resonate? And how's life changed since you become a dad? Oh, I think it's it's just given me way more perspective <clears throat> yeah. perspective on footy and life. And you know, I was well, I never have been diagnosed with depression, but. Jeez, there was periods of time during the periods where we were losing. I was, I was struggled. Like yeah. it'd take me four or five days to get over losing. Like I was embarrassed to go out, embarrassed to even sort of head down the street for a coffee kind of thing. Like after we'd been thumped, and so I really took that to heart. Like it, it used to hurt me a lot. Mm. Um, whereas I think having kids now, it's like, you know what? Like it's a game of footy, and. Yeah. They don't give us stuff whether we <laughs> lost. Like it's funny. Like we actually a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago. It was back earlier this year when we'd lost. I think it was might have been when we lost to Hawthorne at the G. And I'm walking down the race, and my daughter was already at the bottom with my wife, and she didn't even say anything about the game. She goes, "Daddy, can you get me some lollies?" And I was like, <laughs> "Are you kidding? We just lost by sixty points to bloody Hawthorne." I'm fuming, but I couldn't help but laugh as I walked into the rooms. I'm like, "How's her? She doesn't give us stuff." But that's like that's just how it is. Like you jump in the car and like they're proud of you for you being their dad, and yep. they just love coming to the footy, and they can't understand why they don't get to sing the demon song. But <laughs> they actually they still dance if the opposition song comes on. But I think for me that just gave me genuine perspective on life. Like, um, yeah, you know, it's amazing what having children does. Like it sort of just exposes you to this whole new realm and. Uh, yeah I absolutely love it and it's even better now like a couple of weeks ago for instance playing in my 250th having them both run out there it mm-hmm. was just surreal like um, 
I had to, my little son, he actually bolted off. I had to chase after him. <laughs> and if it wasn't for Jordan Lewis, he'd probably still be running around Bloody Etihad Stadium. When I got chaired off, he was actually running towards the middle of the ground. But yeah, mate, it's uh, it's awesome to have him now understanding what's going on and being able to you know enjoy the wins, yeah, um, enjoy the game and and be proud. And you know, in the end, that's sort of a motivating factor mm. of why you play. Like you know, you get to provide. A great lifestyle for your family and now you've got like not only my wife to enjoy it but two beautiful kids and um yeah it's it's um that's sort of the inspiration now why why you end up playing yeah good right i've got five what i call the fast five to finish off with who's the captain you most admire in the afl <sighs> yeah it's i would have said hodgie he's my probably my favorite by a long shot but um I think probably Joel Selwood. Yeah. Um, I just love how he sort of consents a moment, and you know it's not it's not often pretty, but he just wills himself to. Mm. Uh, he's he's obviously got a great team around him, but he just wills himself to contest after contest, and just somehow finds a way to win the footy. And you know, here uh, we've had some great you know rivalries, even all the way back to being kids we used to race each other in athletics so um <laughs> he's got more scars out of you <laughs> oh definitely him <laughs> no but he's um yeah he's probably one that inspires me a bit yeah awesome what about the player you most admire in the afl yeah it's i think um it's a tough one uh i want to say i reckon cochin okay um a little bit, I think his sort of story resonates with me a bit, just because of you know where Richmond were at. Yep. The the critics of him yep. as a leader, for me, that sort of sums it up. Like mm. that sums up. And this is not to sort of um, discredit people outside the game, but people are so critical, but don't realise how hard the game is, and mm. and until you've played it and been in it and you know, I I dare say, you know, it wasn't Cochin's leadership that was making Richmond not perform. Yeah. You know, he was probably not doing anything dissimilar, but, you know, they win a flag and he's yep. seen in this light. And I look back and say, well, what were you saying about him a year or two before that? Yeah. Like, So I admire, I, yeah, I just admire his resilience through yeah. that period. And I was, I was um, you know, rap for him when yeah. they they won it because um you know i could really relate to probably mm. that side of it um yeah, yeah I, was, I was sort of pretty stoked for him that you know and i reckon for everything that he's worked so hard for and that would be a really fulfilling moment for him to be like you yeah. know what that sort of sticks it right up here for all the people that doubted me kind of thing which inspires me yeah very well said if you weren't playing for goody which coach would you like to play for? Oh, that is a tough one, actually. I've never even thought of that. Um, <laughs> this is reinforcing how loyal you are to the Melbourne Footy Club, isn't um, it? Oh, well, an easy one would be I'd play for Horse Longmire and play with my brother. There you go. <clears throat> um, but I'd, I'd really be interested to play under Clarko, I reckon. Yeah, okay. Um, I don't even know him, but... Yep. You know, I've obviously envied 
what he built and having now known Geordie Lewis yep. really well you know it would have been just great to see how he coached and created what they mm. had kind of thing you know being the sort of figurehead of that period of time yep who's the funniest teammate you got uh, Maxi Gorn because we're really good mates and he, he, he's got this weird sense of humour <laughs> but one out of the box is actually Jake Melksham he makes me laugh all the time he's got I think we have the same sort of humour he's, he's a bit crass but <laughs> he uh, he can put on an epic show in front of the of, in front of the boys he does um, some beautiful takes of some of the coaches and some of the boys just taking the absolute piss out of them so yeah probably Melky good right last one what advice would you give to an AFL captain about to embark on his first season as captain? Uh, be who you are. Yeah. And um, and open yourself up, show vulnerability, and allow yourself to grow and learn with you know whatever sort of experiences come your way. Brilliant, Jonesy Chunk. Uh, <laughs> love the chat. Um, I can just see how hungry you are for what's to come over the next little bit um really admire what you've done in your career so far and yeah look it's been an amazing chat for me so thanks for coming in thanks mate thanks for having me no worries